Hi, this is Patty Lapone. This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Nia Vardalis. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. This is Beanie Feldstein. I'm Octavia Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine. A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. Hey, I heard you needed inspiration. He's Ilana and friends with some revelations. Little known back to the day, every little thing's gonna be A-OK. Little known fact about my guest today, it was his experience with heightened verse and Shakespeare and all of the classical studying he had done as an actor that actually made him the perfect fit for Aaron Burr in Hamilton. Turns out rap and heightened verse, they're really similar. Welcome the extraordinary talent that is my friend Nick Walker to the podcast. A-okay. Hello, Broadway star Nick Walker to oh, the dear. podcast. Oh dear, hello. How you doing? <laughs> um, really happy right now. Really happy right now. First of all, aside from all the things I love about you as a human and what mm-hmm. you put out into the world, I am someone who responds deeply to somebody's voice. And I love your voice, Nick Walker. I oh. love the sound of your voice. And this audio experience is like pure bliss for me. Let me, so this is actually a perfect segue into something that I wanted to say to you because that's very kind of you to say, first of all. Second of all, um, so I, you have to understand, I grew up in, uh, in Boston uh, and uh, in my, the theater that I grew up on was like, like for some reason, my school and my district just loved to do edgy theater. Like we were doing like Zoot Suit at like 13 years old and like wow. things that like, yeah, we shouldn't just, you know, but <laughs> The neighboring town, uh, Newton, uh, was doing You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown uh, one year. And I was like, I was like, what the hell is this? Like, they made a musical out of Charlie Brown. And then I sat with that recording and I listened to this. And you, specifically you, madam, um, were so amazing in that show. And like it just and you talk about a vocal presence. Your voice just carried on that recording. And I didn't get to I didn't ever get to see you all live. But I just that that is if you want to know a little known fa- a first little known fact about me, that is one that I will proudly share. I was swept away by your guys's by your guys's work on that piece. I mean, it was just it was just so heartwarming, and you were just so funny. So the fact that I am talking to you and hearing your voice through my headphones is I cannot tell you how how crazy I feel right now, and how like like thirteen year old me like freaking out. So like, thank you for having me on. Um, truly appreciate it. Truly honored to be here. Can you imagine a world where like Lucy Van Pelt and Aaron Burr oh my God. are hanging out? Oh my God. What <laughs> What's great- also so crazy is my sister and her husband live in Newton. Um, oh my God. So I, uh, I know there's like Newton North and Newton yep. South. Like there's all of that. And I actually saw um, Hairspray the first time I saw 
called the wow. musical. Hairspray was like at one of those high schools and and all the people I've met in my life, a lot of actors, you know, Krasinski is from yep. there and yep. John Slattery and, and Annie Dudek, this actress yep. who, that did one of my first Broadway plays together. And there's something about um, Katie Irby, just a lot of people mm-hmm. have talked about the, the arts in public schools and, and sort of how that can or cannot, if it's underfunded and not there, yep. impact, impact all of our um, entrees into the world of theater. So, so now we know, I mean, I, I'm blushing and thank you so much. I have so many different feelings about Aww. the fact that I, who wasn't a musical theater person other than loving them deeply, that I found myself in a musical was so yeah. crazy. Um, and that it ended up being, uh, for me, one of, you know, that cast and that moment in time and the message of that show was was deeply moving, life-affirming and stays with me um, forever in all sorts of ways. So thank you, Mr. Walker. That makes me so happy. No, and, and, and I mean, I mean to, to piggyback on that point, I think that that's exactly why I responded to it because I, your, it was... You know, it's like, obviously you have a beautiful voice and, and, uh, you know, and I, I wasn't into musicals either. What I loved was the characterizations, what I loved about that album. And I think that, that, that's what is so important. If you're talking about, um, if you're talking about, you know, just funding schools and why the arts are important, you have to understand that the, you know, it's, it's, you know, for theater kids, I think when we think theater kids, we think, you know, yeah, they're going to do the school musical and they're going to do, it's like, no, they could want to be a techie they could want to be a dp they could you know they don't maybe they don't even know what a dp is yet you know what i mean but like you have to introduce them some somehow and it starts somewhere for everybody and i just remember because that that was a a time you know when i when i listened to that album even at 13 years old i was just like yo okay so i see that you can actually truly play character even in a musical setting that that you can really focus in and give you know and like give some really funny comedy um, but with with some truly specific choices, and it was it was just fascinating to me to like listen to that album, and and you know, and that, and I know that your your career has spanned so many more projects than that, but that was just one thing that um, really you know really moved me. So, but yeah, your your point about education, and, and especially in the Boston, we call it the Greater Boston area, um, you know, Brookline and, and Newton, and all these kind of trolley suburbs. Um, you know, outside of Boston, it, it definitely is uh, a place that for all its challenges, um, it certainly has an amazing, amazing arts program that actually um, was just in danger of being of being un, uh, cut. Uh, the, a bunch of the teachers, at least in Brookline, where I'm from, um, I had to kind of I was I kind of tried to chime my voice in because they all got pink slips um, every single one. And, and luckily, uh, some of them have been able to have those pink slips revoked. Um, but you know, just because of what's going on with the pandemic, people are, are looking to cut funds and, you know, the arts is the first place they think for some reason. Um, you know, and it was just, it was terrifying. Cause I was like, there's, I, I literally wouldn't be alive without right. those programs. I wouldn't right. be, would not be here at all. I at know. all. It's, it's so backwards. It's yeah. so backwards. I don't even, but, but look, I mean, as you know, in the world of, of creating stuff, we're, we're talking today on June 12th, but this episode, you know, will be out in the world of, of wherever podcasts are found forever. <laughs> right. And so yep. in some ways, this is a time capsule, uh, where we're capturing a very specific moment. But what's so crazy is, 
the the idea of the defunding of arts, this could be seven years ago and 20 years ago and, you know, always. And I, I'm just praying that when someone listens to this in the future, yeah. um, they'll be like, wow, there was a time where people didn't understand. Oh, that. yeah. Right. <laughs> that's what I hope. It's like digging up like, oh, that's what subway tokens used to look like. Round <laughs> gold things. Oh, like God, remember the tokens? <laughs> yes. Good Lord. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, but, but it's it's absolutely one of those things where you just you just and, and here's here's you know, what gives me what gives me comfort is that you know, people like yourself, people like everyone that's, you know, that's kind of again speaking up right now. There's no yeah. way there's no way that we let the arts go away. And even though it's a fight and it's going to be a, a long fight, um, we don't we don't do it. And we find creative ways and we find new outlets and we, you know, and we get out there and we inspire people and we show them why this is important because it is. Um, so, you know, it's not just a hope. It's a it's a it's a it's a goal. Right. It's it's, yeah. a, it's a it's a it's a determination. But I think that you really just have to keep your head on a swivel because people are scared. You know, and I think when people are scared, they're always going to make these decisions that at the moment seem, you know, I mean, we can talk about this country is that like, it's just all these little quick fixes that in the moment placate or in the moment might solve the immediate problem, but don't give room to the larger scope of what you're actually trying to do and cutting funding for the arts. Again, maybe it saves you some dollars in the short term and long term. That's a lot of kids who are going to be missing out on critical thinking. We're going to be missing out on just empathy in general. And I, and I think that, you know, anything that, you know, we can do to show them like, Hey, that's not necessarily the way to go. Um, I think, I think is a smart thing. And I think people also innately know that they just need to be reminded, you know, so it's, it is what it is. It's a cra- crazy world out there, but we're still here. So, well, I want to ask you because obviously people can, you know, read your Wikipedia page and feel like they have a sense of your story. You know, yeah. you mentioned where in Boston, in, in the in the Boston area you're from. Um, you know, facts are you are the product of divorce. Your mom was like incredibly influential in terms mm-hmm. of getting you into theater, from what I understand. But yeah. man, if you could take some time today and tell me your story. Um, how it is that I get the privilege of having your voice in my ears today because you chose a path in the arts, how it began and a little bit about growing up as, as Nick Walker. Yeah. Uh, that would be incredible for people to get to hear your story. Oh no, I say I, I will, I will try to, I will try not to bore anyone, but I will say this. So uh, my story starts with, uh, I think my story starts with the love of stories. You know, my mother was a news anchor. She was the first black news anchor in new England. Um, and she was a news anchor for 30 years and, uh, she's actually now a minister. Um, and her father before her was a minister and actually, uh, and I'll get to this a little bit later, how I found this out, but she, she thought that it was just the two of them. She actually recently discovered, we discovered that she is the fifth generation of preacher in my family. Um, so stories and communication and connection have always been kind of in my, in my, you know, our family crest. And, um, I think that that was a huge part of it. So, you know, from, from a, you know, from the time I came out the womb, even, you know, even before then, I think that I was being taken to a lot of movies and a lot of art and a lot of plays and, and just experiencing a lot of things and getting them in my DNA. And, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, I have no problem speaking candidly about this, but one of the things that my mother faced was that I was, uh, she was a single parent, you know, my father, um, wasn't necessarily there. 
Um, and she, she didn't, you know, it wasn't a, something that she took as, as, uh, she didn't, you know, thankfully didn't take on a victim's mentality, even though in that situation, I think anyone who's going through that is a victim, but she, she pressed forward and she, um, she was like, no, I'm raising this son by, by myself and I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. And at a time when that wasn't easily accepted, um, you know, I literally in, in my mom's attic, there are articles about protests outside of her news station because here she is a, a woman, a black woman in the, you know, mid to late eighties raising a son by herself. And what message does that send to the rest of the black women in Boston and in New England? And it's like, that's not, you know, just things that were completely unfair to put on any person's shoulders, let alone my mother. Um, but she, from that, I also got a tremendous drive. She was somebody, she is somebody who is just, you set the goal and you do it. And that is how she raised me. And that's kind of what I inherited from that. Um, I also, you know, going back to the love of story, I was obsessed from an early age with like writers and writers that like, by all means, I was too young to fully comprehend anything that I was reading. So I was reading like Michael Crichton, like sphere at like age 10 do you know what I mean? And like sphere is, yeah. I mean, not understanding an iota of what's really happening, but just like, right. but trying, right. trying, trying to be like, yeah, I get it. And then I, I'd watch the movie with like Dustin Hoffman and be like, oh yeah, I, I, re I remember that part. And, uh, and you know, in Jura Jurassic Park obviously is, is if you, if anybody who's listening has been following me for any length of time, you know, that that is the movie that really, <laughs> really meant mm -hmm. the world to me. Um, yeah. So Steven Spielberg, all these amazing directors, uh, Quentin Tarantino, Martin Scorsese, Spike Lee, um, you know, just great storytellers. And Mark Twain. Mark Twain was um, the other uh, novelist who I, I loved. Um, and I would read, uh, I think I've talked about it before, but I read Tom Sawyer and Huck Finn back to back. And I was obsessed. And that was actually the first play I ever wrote was in second grade and it was a, an adaptation of Tom Sawyer of the, of the paint of the uh, fence painting scene. And, uh, it was like, I mean, I think I, again, I'm pretty sure if I was to read it now, it would be completely incoherent and ridiculous. But at the time I was very proud of my piece and my, my second grade class actually performed it. Um, you know, for our, for our, I think it was like the, our end of the year pageant or whatever they, they put it on. Um, wow. And that was so, uh, great, great feedback. That's good feedback. That's a good place to start. You know, it was, it was, They're it was, doing your piece. Why not? Why not? You yeah. Know, like, it's like, and I, I think I, I'm sure that it was the kind of thing where the teacher was like, e well, no one else has written a play. So like, <laughs> let's, like, let's, let's yes. give this kid a let's try. Let's do it. Um, but it was really, it was just a great place to start for me. And then, um, as I said, yeah, my, I, my, I was, uh, you know, pretty sure that they, that I had ADD very early on. And um, mm. my mother uh, put me in theater because she, you know, she thought that I had ADD and that was diagnosed. And uh, she had heard Like, that how old are you when oh, you this... think back to that? Like, how old do you think you are when this is kind of coming to light? You know, I think, well, it's so funny because I, I actually think that it wasn't something that I truly, I truly labeled myself with until very recently. I think, mm. I, I think, there, I think for a long time, um. I gave it, you know, I gave it many different names. And I also think that quite honestly, um, you know, there's, there's thoughts, uh, lines of thought now that connect, you know, that just say it's ADD is anxiety, which is depression, which is, you know, that, that these kind of yeah. uh, mental, you know, uh, hoops that we put ourselves through are all connected. And sure. so, so I know that my anxiety certainly started early when I was, um, 
when I was young, just because of, like you said, divorce. And, and I think that also, you know, and this is something that I talk about, uh, in my, my IG lives with Sasha, which are now, uh, a a talk show with Sasha, but, um, we talk. And we are going to talk about that because now more people are going to get to see you all the time. It's great. Oh, I'm so sorry for them. This is going to be yeah. terrible. Um, no, but I think, I think, uh, you know, I think one thing that you just recognize is that a lot of kids, especially kids of color, you, 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 you come into the world with a little bit of trauma. There's something that happens. There's pressures that are put on you. There's something you experience that you don't, might not even have a name for at the time. And I think in answer to your question, I was probably five or six, um, mm-hmm. when I first started to show its head, but I, but I, I know that there was just a pressure to, to rise above things and things were being put in my way that I, I'm not sure would have been put in my way if I wasn't a child of color um, and specifically a black child in Boston. Um, so those had a very, very large impact on me and, and how I, how I went through the world. And, um, you know, and, and ever since it's been, it's just like, like, like we were saying today uh, with Sasha, I think it's just been this um, constant, uh, you know, pursuit to just become more aware and just try to keep growing. Because I think that, again, I think the awareness is all, I don't think it's about fixing this. I think it's just about how, how much can I know about it? How much yeah. can I, how comfortable can I get with it so that it's not just some random weird thing that my brain does every so often. It, it, it can be something that I, I can live with and, and work with, you know, I just want to interrupt to explain when when Nick talks about his Instagram live or Sasha. So he, I mean, you can describe it even better, but Sasha Hutchings is your partner in crime. Um, And can you just tell people, because, oh, she's just, first of all, what a beautiful human and her brain, the two of your brains together, you know, it's just thrilling to witness the way you guys, your ideas build upon each other. But with such respect and space for both of you, and it's really incredible that that you have a show now. So let's let's like go there for a second, and then we'll get back on the train of your life. But just so we're going to keep referring to it because it's yeah. so of your moment right now. So yeah. just explain a little like the glorious Sasha and Nick, what you guys have been doing, what just happened, how it began, and then we'll go back to <laughs> baby Nick and, baby and Nick. it'll meet and it'll meet right in the right place. I'm so excited. So, so yeah, so me and Sasha, so really it started because um, when the pandemic started, I, at the time I was doing, um, and I still, uh, you know, I'm currently cast as the the lead in Ain't Too Proud, um, which is an amazing show. And when Broadway comes back, please come see us because I, I cannot tell you I was, I even I was shy, like I didn't expect it to be as amazing as it is, and it really mm. is just one of those shows where you're like, oh, okay, you didn't even have to work that hard, but yet you did. Yeah. Um, and and you guys shut down. Uh, d- did you shut down the day? The day yeah. Broadway shut down. I think it was March twelfth. Yep, that was us. Um, and so I quick question: Have you? Is all your stuff still in your dressing room? Were you yes. able to like? Okay, so isn't that a- weird? It's so. When I tell you how strange, because here's the thing. So I would, you know, they gave the, the Schubert's very kindly gave us, uh, I think it's been three days now to go. And like, if we need to go to our dressing rooms, like pick stuff up, but you know, again, so one of the things that is wonderful about Broadway is on the, on the off chance you are able to snag a star dressing room and star dressing rooms are, you know, they can be very, very small or they can be these like 
nice like with like maybe like an antechamber and like a like its own bathroom and like all the you know picture a suite picture a suite in a really old hotel that is like super (laughs) that is a lot of layers of pain but it's very it feels powerful you feel you just feel you feel the energy of like everyone who stayed in there before you and you just you just know that this is a room that like you want to and, and you can really make it your own you 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 have the opportunity to decorate it and in true me fashion, I mean, the first thing I did, you know, Derek Baskin, who originated the role, was a very class. He's a very classy gentleman. So he had, you know, all this wonderful, um, you know, this like very like chic artwork and like mirrors. Mm-hmm. And the first thing I did was move in my comic books and my my painting of Tony Stark and just just take over this room. as <laughs> like as like a, as so like a you are thing. Team Marvel. Oh, oh, well, it's well, okay. This is this is hard because I actually went. So I was on the Marvel, uh, the Marvel this week in Marvel podcast, and they we we couldn't discuss the fact that I actually play for both sides because Batman Ooh. is my is my everything, right? Um, but I do I'm obsessed with the with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and I I do love Marvel, and uh and th- and that's where a lot. I mean, I I just yeah, the love I have for those movies and those stories is is uh, paramount to to my existence. So I right. have, uh, so literally, yeah, but back to your question, yeah. my, my dressing room is fully stocked. I mean, uh, my bar is still there. I have a whole bar set up with like so much whiskey and, and, and nice drinks and like, cause that was, that was going to be my thing. You know, when, when, the other thing about being the number one on a show is that you, you are, I think that it, uh, what I've always, the, the number ones that I've always looked up to are the people who know how to, whether it's subtly or just like, you know, it's not about I'm the leader. It's just like, how can you take care of your cast? And that mm-hmm. was one thing that I saw that I really loved was um, Javi, who um, when I was in Hamilton was uh, had taken over for Lynn. Um, he would buy his cast juice press uh, or he would buy his juice press every Wednesday, like a full fridge of juice press juices. And it was his way of just nice. thanking people and being like, hey, yeah. I got you. And so I so yeah. my my thing was Sundays I started to host like just like a little like a little uh, snob, a little like. Hey, we finished the week. Here's a little here's a little shot for you. And I would just pour drinks and mix drinks and and it was starting to kick off. And then this this pandemic happened. So everything's still there. Um, but you know, back to the original, original point, the the shutdown, um, yeah, it was it was very jarring. And all of a sudden, this thing that we love to do, we we can no longer physically do. And it's not just us, it's it's film and TV, it's everyone is shut down. And I was just feeling a lot of feelings about that. And I knew I wanted to do something about it um, or, and find some way to, to, to just let people's voices be heard and, and bring, you know, bring a little community to this thing. So I just signed on to Instagram live. I, I didn't really do Instagram lives before this. I think I'd done like maybe three in my life before this. Uh, yeah. Before the first one. And, but I signed on and I just was like, talking to people who were commenting and then like I would see like a friend of mine who you know would happen to be like a well-known performer or actor or whatever and I would I would bring them on and we would chat and uh at first like like people you know at first people jumped on who like loved to rag on me I think I think one of the one of the things that uh has kind of happened without my control in in Broadway is that I've become like so many people's like little brother like people just love yeah. to like just like you know make fun of me and do and I I take it it's great I love it um, but like Chris Jackson was one of my first guests and he just loves to make fun of me and him and James Iglehart both together uh, will just rip me a new one every time they see me and that's fine. But I had them both on and it was great. And then Sasha came on and I, I, I forget how it even happened, but like 
you know, we were talking about something. I was talking with one person about something serious and I brought Sasha on and we, you know, we've been friends since Motown back in 2013, but like something just clicked and we were just like, yo, we actually have a really good banter. And, and it started that like, she would just become a regular guest every Friday. And then it just started to be like, Oh, I think, I think it's just going to be Sasha. And like, we would just have these back and forth and we would listen to people in the comments and, and, and talk, but it was like, it just became kind of our talk show. And, um, she is such a brilliant mind and, and, and such a good friend. And, uh, you know, th- this, then, you know, Broadway world, I guess they had heard about it or they'd seen one of our lives mm-hmm. and they, they were like, yo, we want to, am- we want to help amplify this, uh, ma- you know, get this out to the people. So like, do you want to do it on our platform? And, we were like, oh my God, that's, that's crazy. So we, we've kind of structured it now, the transition that's happening, uh, premiering on Wednesday, uh, June, uh, whatever date that is 17th, I think. Um, right. Yep. Is that, uh, we're going to be doing these kind of bi-weekly talk shows and we're going to have a lot of really cool guests on and, and it's, it's kind of crazy. Cause like you said, I, I also have a podcast already <laughs> going on. Yes. Like my, you know yes. I mean? But like, this is, this but is- you know, you want something done. You ask a busy person. Like yes. that's just pure facts. Wait, so it's going to be, so you haven't like pre-recorded. These are going to be live right, and live. then we can find them later other yeah. places. So it's live on Broadway world. And then we will do, we'll put them on YouTube after on, for on Fridays, two days later. Um, so you can either watch it live and, and see what hijinks we get into, or you can see it once it's like, you know, <laughs> once, once the damage is done. Um, but, but that's, yeah, that's what we're referring to is just, and we're calling it the chaos twins because me and Sasha, again, have this reputation on Broadway of just being completely loony and goofy and, and clowns so that's we, we lean into that that's <laughs> that's who we are and did you so finding the name for something is yeah. actually can be really hard mm-hmm. um sometimes it comes right away and sometimes it's like the first six you're like oh somebody already has that or whatever so was this an easy name to come to or was there a lot of back and forth about it sadly it was very easy because okay. because this is because <laughs> you this, are because we are and this was a show that we like we had talked about like yo <laughs> like back during like motown days we would laugh about like like it would be me her and this uh, another amazing performer tiffany everest who also shares our kind of non sequitur humor we yeah. would talk, we would talk about like Hey, you know what would be really funny if we like if we like put like a like put on like a show like, you know, Sasha Hutchings, Nick Walker, and Tiffany at 54 below, and we like, you know, invite everybody, and then we just lock the doors and shoot them with water <laughs> like super soakers, and like we just say we just call it chaos and we like rip off the posers and it's really just chaos. And yes. like again, yes. that's that's just our kind of we just find that stuff hilarious. But that's that is that's, your brand. That's our brand, is it's just yeah. You know, and, and I think on my on my movie podcast, Little Justice, it's it's the same thing. You know, I think every I think the kind of the the going theme between all of my friends um, is like I, I, I all of my close friends. We have a banter. We mm-hmm. have we have a back and forth just because like I think that that's I, I just love that that kind of intellectual um, talk. And I, I think that that's what bonds me to people. I, I, I've, I've surrounded myself with people who are v- way smarter than I am. And um and I love learning from them and, and challenging them and, and listening to them and that's kind of what what our what my friendships are so yeah yeah so somehow you went from just loving the consumption of art and artists to creating stuff not just at home and writing plays that were done in second grade and will continue to be done <laughs> um, because you're obviously 
among other things, you're a writer. Like that's yes. part of your identity and, and how you express yourself. When did you start um, doing theater, like in, in, uh, in, an, in an ongoing way? It's crazy. I, you know, I think, I think right from that very first time that I was on stage, um, the first, the first, you know, so back to my mother putting me in a play to focus me, it was, yeah. Winnie, the, it was Winnie the Pooh. And I just, classic, loved, classic. And I just loved the idea of being on stage. I, I think, I think so much of it was the attention. I remember I was, I was Kanga or one of the, it was either Kanga or one of the little rabbits. I, I don't remember at this point. Cause something I just remember sweet. something sweet. And I just had, yeah. I had a furry costume with big ears. But, um, what I remember is I would go out, I would get out of costume really quick and I would go out into the lobby of this, of this community college. And I would stand out in the lobby by my picture and see if anyone recognized like that I was, I'd just be like, just this random kid, just like, Hey, do you see, you see my picture? Like I was there, I did it. Oh and like, God. that was, so I think, you know, I think so, like so many of us, I think that was certainly a part of it, but yeah, I, there was also just an immense freedom. I, I, again, I think that whereas so many points of my life, I wasn't focused. This was someplace mm -hmm. that just really did focus me and that, um, that's that really what confuses me. Sorry to interrupt, but like yeah. the whole idea of ADD or ADHD, yeah. I feel like, yeah, but not when you're doing theater. So yeah. if it's so like, okay, so it's not, it's, it's about being bored, anxious and bored, right? Or not engaged. Like, yeah, I want to understand it. Like, how come it it is not an issue in some environments and very much an issue in others the way my therapist and i have kind of come down to it mm -hmm. is that you know that really what it comes down to is the places places where i feel safe yes the things that i feel safe and comfortable doing right. um you know and, and as crazy as that is that you know theater or or film or, or or whatever is something where i feel safe because the very nature of those things is uns like you're you're in front right. of you know, a crew yes. of people or you're in front of a, the audience of people and you're doing these crazy things. But for me, that was just a place where I was like, Ooh, I get this. Mm -hmm. I, I understand this. And, and mm -hmm. it locked in and, and I wanted more. And so it became, you know, I think that, I think that I really didn't have to, I've never, you know, I think, I think that that's one thing that I've, I've always had. I've never had to worry about being present in, on stage, mm -hmm. on stage mm -hmm. in life, whole other story, but on sure. stage, I, I, I am certainly, I know, I know, I, I think like so many of us, I think we, we just know, we know what this is and we love it. I, I was actually talking to, um, I, uh, Brian Darcy James, who is, you know, one of my heroes and I, I tell him that every, Me too. every time. Yeah. I love him so much. Yes. Yeah. And like, he's also, he's, he's the perfect example of someone who is insanely talented, but also insanely humble. And, yes. And the nicest human being in the world and like so unassuming about who he is and what he does. I know. I know. And, and I'm yeah. so thrilled for the kind of work he's been getting to do. Oh my God. I'm just so proud of him. And so deserved. So deserved. Yeah. So deserved. But he, we were out yeah. to lunch and we talked, we actually talked about this exact thing. And he was like, well, of course you feel safe in the theater because you understand the theater. The re it's, it's controlled. It's mm -hmm. a controlled environment. And the rest of the world, you know, is that's, that's where it gets crazy, you know? And, and that's always stuck with me as something that's so true. It's like, yeah, you know, this is, we know how the story goes. We know how the story ends, yep. you know, and that is a huge part of it. So I think that, uh, I think that it's, it's no wonder, but it's, it's certainly something that you then have to look at your real life and say, okay, first of all, separation between my work life and my real life. 
right and 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 on top of that in my real life how can i how can i work those muscles of attention and focus so that i'm not just you know like giving it all to the stage and and then in my real life saying oh whatever doesn't matter um you know really giving that same focus And, and quite frankly the biggest person my biggest teacher in that um has been my wife um she wholeheartedly i the you know not again I think every marriage is a is a push and pull and, and one person learns things and another person learns things, but I have certainly learned the value of taking time and focus from my wife. Um, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So when you talk about your wife, yeah. um, do you feel like that is something she cultivated and practiced and researched and learned? Or do you feel like she had this kind of intuitive or innate sense of of how to put self-care on the top of the list of her priorities, like always. Like I'm just trying yeah. to figure this out so oh, much yeah. for me as a parent, as a, a, a citizen of the world. Yep. Yep. Um, do you have a thought about that? Absolutely. I think, I think, I mean, I, I'm not, I, I would never want to speak for her or put words in her mouth, but I think, yeah. I think generally she would tell you that it's certainly something that she had to learn. Mm. I think that she was very aware of the troubles of the world very early. And I think that she, she grew up very fast and was able to find her center in the storm um, in, in so many ways. And I actually, I think that it's in, I think uniquely, I would actually say uniquely, because I don't know as many people who have prioritized um, a grounding, a sense of grounding as much as she has. Um, She like truly like she's the, you know, I'm the person who is like, you know, and very much my mother's son. You know, if you ask if you ask me to do something and I want to do it, I'm doing it. And and that's it. And it's getting done. And and I don't care. I, I don't even. Like, I don't recognize my fatigue. I don't recognize any, I'm just like, nope, we get, we go until it's done. And, 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 and you, and you get a lot done that way. Um, my wife is the type of person who's like, I'm not going to do something until I feel ready to do it. Mm-hmm. And, and valuing that, which, in, which, especially in our culture, in our society is, especially, you know, in America, I think is something that's undervalued. Yeah. I think, I think we are all about the go, 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 go. And not at all about the wait, but, but what am I feeling? And what do I need right now? And I know I want, I know I want to do something, but what is my body telling me? What is my mind telling me? And that, that mindfulness, um, I think has been huge in her life. And, uh, so, so again, in answer to your question, I would say that she, it is certainly something that she learned out of necessity. Um, but I don't, but I, I don't, I think anyone can learn it at any time. I think you just have to realize that it is something you have to learn because there's nothing there's so few things in this world that will tell you that that's a good skill to have. Yeah. I think, well, especially as women, you're told like your job is to take care of everyone else. Mm -hmm. And that if you're, and that if you're prioritizing yourself, it's like selfish in some way, as opposed to you are, you know, I remember my doctor saying to me, you are the captain of your ship. You cannot go down. So what are you going to do to stay healthy Right. Like, how are you going to be healthy physically, mentally, all of the things in order to be your best self in whatever situation? But that was so counterintuitive. Like, how could I possibly go take a, you know, go meditate? There's so much to be done for everybody else. 
I can't even ima- I can't you know I can't even imagine being you know first of all just being a woman in this society and everything yeah. that you guys like I I truly cannot imagine um but I with that pressure of yeah. of yeah oh yeah you got you're you're there to take care of no it's like what about you what about you yeah. you because and, and it's that it's that classic thing of being on the airplane right when you're you know when it's safe to go back on airplanes but when yeah. when the captain says you mean uh, never but yeah exactly exactly <laughs> i mean I, to be to be straight up i was you know we were wiping our seats down with disinfectants uh wipes like years ago and like yeah. like i mean we were on that tip years that's, ago. that's you you that's knew me. it yeah. I knew, well, I'm, I'm also just a germaphobe and, yes. and ridiculous, but, um, you know, I think that that's a huge thing, right? When the, when the captain says, Hey, you know, uh, secure your own oxygen mask before you assist the child next to you. It's that same thing. You actually can't take care of anyone else until yeah. your own house is in order. And I think that that is something that we really need to make sure everyone knows coming up. Like it doesn't, you know, if you, th- those feelings, I think, I think that our instincts are huge and there's, there's things that I remember about growing up that um, truly, uh, you know, voices that I didn't listen to that thinking back about what I what I was experiencing at the time that I heard them, I realized now it was, oh, my God, I was going through trauma, like perfect, perfect example. Um, and this is this is a kind of a hit you over the head example. But when I was, you know, to, uh, when we were doing the talk on IG Live two days to uh, two weeks ago my one of my childhood friends this guy stod um hit me up and reminded me of a time that i had completely blocked out because i was talking about my childhood growing up in boston and boston if you don't know boston is i i, I will love that city to the day i die but it has a lot of issues in terms of race and in terms of yeah. uh segregation always has and stod reminded me of a time when we were walking down the street and this guy started following us just four black four black boys just minding their own business started following us in his truck calling us the n-word and this is we were maybe 15 16 17 at this time we weren't bothering anyone we were i think we were like going to the pizza place and this guy did this and i stuffed it down i truly i had no memory of that Mm -hmm. until he said something and it's just it truly it really is incredible um you know what we what we don't listen to the, the the way that we the way that we ignore what our what our mind is telling us the way that we cope the way that we cope you know um and i think just remembering that we are coping that's that that even that awareness is helpful do you have memories because so many conversations right now uh are very have really you know been focusing on what mothers and fathers of black kids say to them about how to be in the world in order to protect their children. Um, And there is so much to unpack in that, but I'm wondering if you have memories of your mom talking to you about the world outside. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So when I was in, uh, it was actually funny because my senior year of high school, I ended up doing a documentary on race in my high school called Hoodwinks. It was my, it was my senior project. And, um, one of the, one of the things I asked my mother was, you know, for somebody who, you know, my mother grew up in Little Rock, uh, Arkansas. She grew up right in the thick of the civil rights movement. Mm -hmm. And I was like, for somebody who went through all the things you went through, you get out of Little Rock, you start this career and then you have a child and you move your child to, you know, from somebody coming from a place of like standing up for your culture and your community, you move a child out to 
the whitest town. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And Brookline. What is that? Brookline. And what is what is that? What is that for you? And you know, I, I what she said was something along the lines of like, you know, I I wanted to provide you with the best life I could. And the 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 sad thing about being black middle class or black upper middle class is that it's not full of black people. And that is something that is wrong with our country. Um, but I, I still wanted to provide you the best life I could, which is why you're here. And and really what she drove home was for me to understand that even with the, because I had, like I said, I'd had racial encounters in Brookline, but she was like, even those are minimal to what you might have out in the world. Because, you know, Brookline is still, you know, it's, it's, it's Boston, but it's a protected spot of Boston that, you know, we don't, the, 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 the real horrors of Boston are, you have been immune to them. You have not seen them yet. Um, and the real horrors of the world, you have not seen them yet. And there was certainly when I, when I went to New, you know, I went to NYU for college and that mm-hmm. was certainly part of the discussion of like, you know, this is going to be the real world now. And, and, and it was, you know what, it, you know what it was, it was in the form of uh, her big mandate to me was to find a deli owner that knew me, find a bank, uh, bank account, uh, bank, uh, a banker that knew me, people in my neighborhood that could, that I could go to and say, and that could vouch for me as like, yeah, that's a good guy. Wow. Do you know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and I didn't even think about that at the time, you know, about what that really meant because why, and why she was saying that to why you, why she was saying that, you know, what was right. what that? Yeah, that's, that's, you know, I, I assumed, I think in my head that it was because, yeah, I'm going to the big city and like, you got to have people who know you, mm-hmm. but it's like, no, it's, it's a little, a little bit more than that. It's, it's, you know, the, the world is not what you might think it is. Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know, the big, the, I'd say the, 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 one of the most recent awakenings I've had about that was going back to her hometown when I was on tour doing Hamilton, um, we were in Memphis and Memphis is but an hour and a half drive from Little Rock. And so I went to Little Rock and uh, all love for the people of Little Rock. This is not a knock on that town, but you can feel the history in the streets. It's there and it's present. And, and you just, I, I came out of that town knowing that my mother had grow, grown up in essentially a war zone. Right. And the things that she had had to experience as a black woman, as a black child um, in that town, um, there's no way that it wasn't passed on to me. Mm-hmm. Everyone has a tra- has a generational trauma. Everyone, yep. everyone, yep. and it might not be the trauma of of a young black man, but it is. But there is something there because you can't help it. It's it's yeah. it's it's literally it it cannot be helped. And I think I think you talk about how you help a child with it. I think that needs to be made aware of too. Like, and when you have that talk, you know, but I, and I, I, again, I can't imagine as a parent when you, when you decide to have that talk, but I, I imagine that in the best way possible, just preparing your child and saying, look, there are things that you're going to learn about yourself that come from me and mm-hmm. that I, you know, I, you, you try your best to clean out the closet <laughs> and yeah. keep and yeah. keep the things in order, but, but you're also human. And that's, that's part of this experience. Um, and that's also, it's, you know, that's also on the child to reconcile with themselves yeah. um, and understand that it's not a, it's, it's something that everyone has or should go through. Everyone should have that time with themselves. Um, so did you, so I just want, so by the way, listeners all over the land. I mean, obviously, most recently, 
um, Nick was starring on Broadway in Ain't Too Proud, but he also, and he starred years ago in Motown and you were in Peter and the Starcatcher and, you know, you have a lot of Broadway credits. Um, mm. But then you moved into Hamilton, the world of Hamilton, oh, that um, thing. <laughs> which is, you know, I had Daphne Rubin Vega on the show and, and she's a friend and I'm sure, you know, you know, yeah. she's just the greatest person. But when we would talk about rent and obviously Hamilton is, you know, there it's like a descendant in yeah. terms of, you know, Broadway culture. Yeah. Um, you know, when we talk about sort of what it was for her to be in Rent, she said, and I'm going to misquote her, and I'm sorry, Daphne. She's <laughs> like, I am, she basically said, I am aware of what it means to the world. Yes. And all I can say is like, thank you, right? Like there's yeah. no, there's no way to put into language really what it is to be a part of that. It's so humbling and incredible. Yes. But basically, it for her, it just landed in an expression of gratitude to have been yeah. a part of something that has had that kind of impact and ripple effect for so many people in so many different ways. And so, and so it's interesting, because when you talked about being in the South with Hamilton, I thought, wow, I wonder what it's like performing oh, in God. Memphis this show, you know, I just saw it in New York, yeah. like a junkie, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I'll, can I go under your coat and I'll sit under your seat? Like any way to get Love in it. there and sing in the public. And so, so if you could talk about, you get out of NYU yeah. and you start working professionally, did you go to NYU deciding you were going to be a professional actor or were you like, I'm going to see what it is to study it on a college level? Knew I wanted to be an actor. Okay. Knew, um, Again, I had a huge interest in film, and most of my friends that I left NYU with were actually film kids. Okay. Um, because I just, I just was fascinated with film, but I ended up being a Shakespeare major with a producing minor. Okay. And, um, and went to the NYU works on the studio system, so I did. Uh, you know, they they have different studios there that you can work through. So I, I was Stella Adler Studio for two two years, and then I was uh, the classical studio at NYU, which was just literally just a year of just focus it on Shakespeare and you actually don't get to do any other productions in the, in the school. You are just classical and that it was like, it's, it's a, it's a boot camp and it really kicks your butt. And then I took a semester off to just like experience the school and like see, see what non theater and acting mm -hmm. things they had to offer. And okay. Closed out at stone street film and television studio. Um, and, um, all of them were great studios for any NYU kids, by the way. So please go to them because they're great. Um, but when I got out, you know, it was this crazy thing where I, in a very Burr fashion, actually, I was seeing a lot of my friends book things very fast. And I, I it wasn't that I wasn't booking things, but the th in terms of the, the, I'd say the size of the platform, I started off in children's theater. That was the one of the first gigs I booked. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and that's not even accurate. You know, I would say, before that, I was I did I had done some shows at the Hangar in Ithaca. Um, when if you know Peter Flynn, he was yeah. the art, he was the artistic director at that time, and he a bunch of us who were like people who are like huge stars now. We all like started um, like Asia Kate Dillon, who's on Billions, mm -hmm. and Danielle Danielle Brooks from Orange Is the New Black and uh, and Color Purple, and my buddy Javon McFerrin, who's like my best friend, who's on Twenties uh, on BET, and was also in Hamilton with me. Um, yeah, we all we all started in this production of Rent together. And, and is this summer 
while you're still summer, in college yeah, or after? Okay. Summer of my junior, after my junior year. So this was going into senior year. I met these people and I actually went through the worst breakup of my life at, during that production. And that's Ugh. like a whole other chapter that I will get into at some point with you later in, in life. But um, really? Because <laughs> oh, yeah. actually, that's all I want to hear about right now. <laughs> oh, dude. I mean, uh, short story, short, like yes. keep a long story really short. This, okay. was, this was a young lady and all love to her if she's listening to this or whatever. But this was a young lady who, um, I, you know, we had been in this off again, on and again relationship for all of my college life. And I, I don't think I read the room. I think that she truthfully was trying to tell me that she wasn't as into me as I was into her the entire time. Um, mm -hmm. But we get to this production of Rent and I was so excited. I actually had flown out that summer to see her in a community production of Beauty and the Beast. Um, and, and she was coming to see me in Rent. And I was, I every, I spent the summer telling all my castmates about her, like, yo, you're going to meet this girl. And like, she's amazing and blah, blah. And I was playing Collins in this production and she comes to see me. And like, I see her sitting in the front row and like, I'm doing it. And like, doing doing the show and this was like the last the second to last night of the, of the run and i meet her in the parking lot afterwards and she breaks up with me <laughs> in the parking lot and leaves Dude. and then and i called i'm so I, sorry oh no it was, it was one of the Awful. worst i javon javon gets a call from me and he, he, he tells us so much better than i do but he was like he's like i was like hey javon where are you he's like nick where are you i was like i'm on a bridge <laughs> just, just <laughs> and like my heart was just wrecked um oh. and you know oh. but, it, but those those kind of breakups have to they have of to happen of course but i'm feeling them. it i'm right oh, there geez. i'm right the there worst uh, it was yes. the worst yes but from that came you know i think so that was that was a big that was a big uh show and then peter later the next year cast me in his production of man of la mancha um and i was i was the duke um, and then after, but that was kind of the end, you know, I didn't do hanger after that. I was doing children's theater and people were booking like TV shows and, and big Broadway shows and, and, and all these things. And I was like, God dang, I'm stuck here. So yeah. the, or the, what is my path? Like, what exactly. is my path? Yeah. Where, where does this lead? How do I get where I'm supposed to go? Yeah. So, you know, again, by, by the time I get to Hamilton, you know, I had two, uh, you know, two or three production contracts under my belt. Yep. And um, so I was like, I was not new to this anymore. I knew what this was. And what was crazy was I actually wasn't even like I had always had a jealousy of, of all my friends who had, you know, been OGs in Hamilton. Because I was like, not not even that I, I it was just like it was just one because they just weren't they were when they were doing it at the public, like they were just the ones that I, I talked to and was friends with, they were so unsure of what the show was. They were like, mm -hmm. it might, might make it. It might not, you know, we don't right. know. And right. so then, so then that kind of gives you permission to be like, Oh yeah. You know, it's like just the game of theater, man. Like that's what we're doing. And then, then I came back from a contract in Denver and you know, all their, all their faces were on billboards. And I was like, well, what the hell? Yeah. You know? I just, go to Denver. <laughs> and all of a sudden y'all are like, stars, like superstars. Yeah. Yeah. And again, very, very Burr-like, very, very much yeah. in that lane. Um, but when I was, so I, and I had, I had auditioned for the show way back when it was the Hamilton mixtape. Like I had, been, I had been auditioning for them for years, but like, I just couldn't ever crack it. Mm -hmm. um, and then my, I, I remember going in, um, it was like the month before my, my wedding and I really needed a job. And, yeah. and I remember I was like, Oh God, I'm have to go in for Hamilton again. Like they're just going to say no, whatever. And my friend was like, well, what's, what's the problem? I'm like, I don't rap. Like I'm not a rap guy and this is a rap show. And he's like, well, he looked at, he listened to the soundtrack and he looked at the material. He's like, dude, it's just heightened verse. 
Yeah. Like you, you don't know rap, but you do know heightened verse. And I was like, yeah. Oh yeah, I actually, I actually do know that. And once that connection was made, then the text wasn't daunting to me. Then I was like, Oh, I actually understand this. And so they, they, they hired me. I was, I was on Broadway as the Burr understudy. And then they, when the, they opened the tour, um, they gave me, they, I opened the tour as Burr. Um, wow. and that, it was crazy. It was, it was a real, and like, and, and again, you know, how does that happen though? How do you, because you, how many parts were you covering when you were on Broadway? I was covering three, three about to be four. So I was, I, by the end of my run on Broadway, I was there for a year and a half and I was the understudy for Burr, Washington, Mulligan, Madison. And I think they were thinking of adding Lafayette Jefferson. But what, what happened was, um, uh, at the time that, that, you know, like, so I knew that they were putting a tour out and I, and I knew two things about this tour. Um, I knew that my favorite stage manager of all time, her name is Anna Kaltenbach and she is amazing. She was going to be stage managing this tour. So I was like, Ooh, that's amazing. And then I knew that I saw the itinerary. I got my hands on the itinerary for this tour and I knew that they were hitting up new Orleans and Orlando. Now, new Orleans outside of my hometown is my favorite city in the world. Me and my wife go there every year, every year without fail. Um, I, I love, I just love, I I love it. And it's, and it's such a beautiful, magical place. And I was like, okay, you're telling me I got a free month and a half in New Orleans. I'm in and Orlando, because the other half of this is that I am a huge Disney parks person. (laughs) I go to those parks again every year. Um, (laughs) And I was like, so I will be staying at the Grand Floridian and driving in to work. Uh, So I was like, I have to get this tour. So the way it happened was. I told Lynn. I love Disney World, and I no it, like, <laughs> le- legitimately though you think that that's yes. like joke. That is pr- pretty much what happened. Was like yes. I just like look, I have to be on this tour, guys. Like, sure. and, and like, what do I have to do? And so it was very nerve wracking because again, my my kind of audition um um was just doing. But how do you role. do that? Like, how do you, do you send Lynn an email and say, "Hey, I hear this is happening." Yeah, how so does I, one? do the politics of that. So Hamilton is one of those beautiful places where the creatives and producers tell you they care about you and they mean it. They mean it. And they are such the, the lines of communication are so open. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Lynn obviously is busy, busy, busy as can be. But uh, Tommy Kale, who's our director, is, is uh, mu- you know, much more accessible than I would ever expect him to be. And right. And they're all just so giving of their time. Andy Blankenbuehler, Alex Lackamore, Jeffrey Seller. Um, and so what I did was I just, I hit, I let my stage manager know. And I let, I let the supervising director know, uh, Patrick uh, Vassell, who's an incredible, incredible artist. Yeah. And then I also sent an email to Lynn and Tommy and Jeffrey and Lack. And I was just, and Blank, and I was just like, hey, I don't know where you guys are at. You probably have somebody, but like, if you are at all considering, um, uh, you know, like I would love to throw my hat in the ring and I got an email back. Like, thank you for letting us know. Totally. You know, we'll, we'll keep you posted. And then it was this kind of thing where, you know, that was in May and I was, you know, Brandon, I think was, who was, who was Burr at the time was, um, um, was he was, the first replacement? He was the first replacement. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and it was funny cause I had actually understudied Brandon in Motown as well. Like Brandon's oh, like another one of my big brothers who always makes fun great. of me. That's great. Yeah. So he was, he was, he was, I think he was filming power at the time and he was out a bunch. Um, so I was going on, um, a lot 
and he um basically like every time that i would go on um he would like uh, or not he but uh tommy or or somebody would be in the audience like i would just be doing um i'd just be doing the gig and then like i would come back at intermission and like jeffrey seller be like like hey i'm here today you're doing a great job and i was like oh. okay uh oh, so like, not that that made my stomach hurt <laughs> oh, it, it was a lot. It was a lot to, like, to reconcile, like, because you just yes. never knew. Yes. You just never knew. And then oh my, um, my agent kept checking back in, and then we got to the end, and it was um, it was basically like, uh, you know, he, my agent, I remember, I'll never forget it, because I actually think me and Sarah had gotten into a fight that day, you know, as, 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 as couples do. Mm-hmm. And I... <laughs> I was on the train going into work and I, and I got a call from my agent being like, Hey, I know why we haven't heard from Hamilton. Uh, and I was like, why? And there was like, cause you got it. And oh I was my like, God. and I literally, I remember screaming on the train at the top oh of my, my lungs God. and I called Sarah and I was just like, yo. And I mean, you can guess what I said. I was like, yo, we're going to Disney world. <laughs> <laughs> I was like legit. Like that was like the first, I was like, we're doing it. We're going, <laughs> we're getting annual pass. I don't even care anymore. Um, oh my and, god! How long do you think you had to wait till between, kind to, of putting it out there that you were interested and finding out that you got it? Made it made October, so that was what uh, June, July, August. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So five months. Five months. Um, how do you have all of those parts in your head at once, and when when you are? In, I mean, you have gone on to just have to do Burr, thank God, thank um, God. which that in and of itself is so heady. And I can't even yep. imagine what it is to one's body to be in this play, <laughs> even just as one person. It's but a lot. Was your day like it's Tuesday? I'm going to review all of Washington. It's Wednesday. Did you no. always know when you were going to do like, how does this work? It's, you know, I think the, so first of all, I think anybody who's listening to this trying to get into theater, um, you don't. should, well, don't, <laughs> or, but if you do, yeah, understudy, swing, like, at, like, do not be afraid of taking those jobs when you, especially mm-hmm. when you're first starting out, because those are number one, the, I think understudies and swings are the MVPs of any production, any production, Absolutely. just yeah. because they, they have to be ready to, to, to do it. And I think that what you learn from that job is that it's never going to be perfect. Um, you, mm-hmm. you can prepare as much as you can prepare and I prepare, you know, again, you put me in, you give me a script, I'm going to break that down. I'm going to know my stuff. Um, uh, so I'm going to know it enough to, to play. And then I, you know, I see who I'm on with that night, but like as, as the, as the burr understood, like, you know, you get burrs get injured a lot. Like I had, I think I had two mid show replacements that I had to do. Um, you know, and that, I mean, so I'm, I'm, and I have an ensemble track, so I'm doing my ensemble track. And then all of a sudden I see my stage manager like, Hey, come here. You got to go on his burr. I'm like, Oh, okay. So then you have to completely switch gears. And like, you just kind of accept that, like you can only do the best that you can. Right. And, um, you know, it's, it's this, uh, which by the way, that isn't always the way that you're also in the show, right? Mm -hmm. Like you also get to watch it every night. And so you're always in it. Yep. But so no, you wouldn't pick like okay tonight. I'm were you man six? Originally? I was man six. Yeah, yeah, man six. Man six. Um, would you be like okay tonight? I'm doing my show, but I'm also going to pay particular attention to one no, other track. I, or no, you were just in it. You were just living. I, you know, it's funny as man six. Man six. We call it the shadow ninja track because man six. You know, man six and woman five are built 
for um, you know they're they're singer tracks, and uh, the rest of the ensemble is dancer track, right? They, sure. They, they are amazing dancers. Man Six and um, and Woman Five kind of have this freedom to kind of just exist, and mm-hmm. um, so like you can kind of you know I think I think for my brain I think I kind of had too much freedom sometimes. Like I was I I love a good prank and I and prank and I pulled pranks as Man Six and pranks were pulled on me. Uh, and can you share some of them with us, just so as we were there spending yeah. <laughs> a lot the of money biggest, on our tickets? The biggest, the big, and that's that's the thing that that's the thing that always pulled me back, and that I had to remember was like, hey, people are spending a lot of money to be at this show. We did not eat this month, my friend, so we yeah. could see you. But I digress. Yes. No, it's, it's the truth. And so, but like, so the pranks would never be things that would like disrupt the show. That was the right, right. But, so when I was I was on his burn, my buddy Michael Lavoye, who is an, uh, was a fantastic Hamilton. He he is truly a brilliant Hamilton. Yes. Um, he was on his ham, and ham during wait for it is not on stage. And there's a scene, you know, I know you know, but when uh, you know he uh, Hamilton faces an endless uphill climb, and he looks off stage left. Michael would he had a giant hat mask. And he would wear it and do dances. And I remember the first time he did it, Lynn was actually visiting. And so it was Michael with the cat mask on. And then Lynn, like, like I think he was, like, galloping behind him. Like, <laughs> like a crazy person. Like, like, it was so strange. And I was like. You're like, what oh. is happening? Like, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to say your word, sir. And yeah. I actually can't focus right now. Yeah. Um, you know, but it was, um, it was really I mean, again, I think I think that a lot of that is needed because, especially with a show that's as heavy as Hamilton, the levity sure. keeps you alive. And I think that that you know that that's that's where all the pranks came from. And James James Eigelhart and I have a history of pranks that that go back years and years and years. If you ever want to have a fun time, you look at the hashtag either hashtag attack Nick Walker or hashtag No More Jobs for James. And that came about <laughs> that came about when I was in when I was at Aaron Burr. Yeah, and, uh, James at the time. James, uh, he, I don't know if he, he just organized a lot of pranks when I was on the road for me. Like I would come back from vacation and my dressing room would be filled with his headshots and like just stupid stuff like that. And then it, you know, we got into this like, like faux Twitter feud and Instagram feud. And then it ended, I, I, I kind of threw, you know, threw him under the bus because he at the time was doing three Broadway shows. He was doing Hercules in the park. Mm-hmm. He was doing Freestyle Love Supreme and he was doing Hamilton all at the same time. And I was like, yo, this man's here ragging me. Meanwhile, he's taking jobs from like these poor Carnegie Mellon kids who are just out here trying to trying to like hustle. And like, oh, you can't have that role because it's taken by James. And I yes. started a massive campaign called No More Jobs for James. And we just, every I got all, like everyone that I could find to just rag on him and be like, yo, James, stop taking jobs. Like, stop it. And people just recorded videos and like, it was, and like the clincher, he got all his, you know, because he has much, much more, you know, well-connected friends than I do. Um, uh, he he got all his like all his little, you know, his his like WWE peeps and like uh, I think like um, you know a Bradley Whitford like because he knows I love the West Wing and he got Bradley yeah. like it was like the rudest thing. But the clincher was I we're both Batman fans, so I went to Kevin Conroy, who is the voice of Batman on Batman the Animated Series, and I got him to record this video. <laughs> just being like in like his bruce wayne voice just being like yo james i heard you've been you've been talking crap about my boy nick and like it was the funniest thing (laughs) and it and and that was it that one that was like the clincher that he was done after that and i was very proud of that (laughs) 
You should be. <laughs> Boom. Oh you drop the mic and it's drop done. I do think that, you know, when you say that Lynn is like galloping behind, you know, the mm -hmm. cat mask, yep. I feel like that lets us know everything we need to know about yep. what that community is. Exactly. When it's not like daddy's here, we got to shape no. up. It's daddy's here and the joy and the love is exactly. contagious in that contagious, way truly contagious and yeah. truly no and no no pretense that's what i love about hamilton um no no pretense there's there's just it's just people who know the job is hard and so they want you to have fun doing it they want you to do it well but they want you to have fun doing it and i and i really did appreciate all the growth that i got from that so so yeah and to go back to that original question that made me kind of circle back to hamilton when you were talking about that trip you took to where your mom grew up yeah. um because you were playing in that part of the country you know yeah. there's an experiencing hamilton in new york where it it's just uh you feel like you're just surrounded by family both on stage and in the audience and like-minded people politically and emotionally and what you know we're experiencing collectively in that moment did it feel different in the south or in different places or or did the show transcend the you politics know, of the state somehow um it really it transcended i think that it really brought people together because the thing is i think by that point you knew that if you were coming to see our show you i think you know the show is well known enough that you knew which sure. some semblance of what you're going to get Right. So I remember hearing that there was, you know, maybe some grumblings about us coming to certain states, but everyone that I met on the t on the tour in the audience was so um, so lovely to me, um, you know, uh, and and treated me treated all of us with such respect and and was you know telling us where to, um, you know, where to eat and and taking care of us and and there was not truly not one city that didn't open its arms to us. And, and that, that meant the world and Memphis included in that. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So when you said earlier, um, your bar is still set up uh, in the Ain't Too Proud dressing room. Yeah. Um, my dream is to one day, you know, get to toast you in that room. Um, please. Um, yes, please. What, <laughs> what do producers reach out occasionally? You know, we're all kind of reading the same Yep. you know, headlines about what the future looks like pre-vaccine, post-vaccine. Mm -hmm. How, what are they asking of you contractually, Ooh. emotionally? Like, what is the status? Here's what's really, I, again, I have very much lucked out with the producers that I've worked for. And the Ain't Too Proud producers are, you know, coming from Jeffrey Seller, who's like the, the paragon of kindness. Yes. Um, you know, Tom Hulse and Ira Pittleman are right there with him right in lockstep and they are some of the kindest gentlemen that i i even just immediately have ever met and um the by way the way how hilarious like amadeus go I, on oh, no, no. And can't even, my head explodes when i see i can't even what here's the thing about that so i so i had auditioned you know i had auditioned for pieces of his before and every mm -hmm. time i saw him i was like yeah that dude's amadeus and like <laughs> it just it just like it just, and so like being on this first name basis with this man where like I right. send him emails and like we talk and you know um it, I just I I again just like talking to you it's just very it's 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 very uh, satisfying like it just makes me feel very happy 
well oh, this full circle these full yeah. circle moments it's like and also boy are you in the right place right yeah. like Dude, yeah it's truly because he is if you if you haven't seen his performance in the movie amadeus with f murray abraham please go check it out um he is genius they are all genius in that movie um yeah and uh but you know i think that they are just such good producers and from the beginning they were just always so open with us and there was you know when when this was all going down there was a lot of meetings and company meetings about you know kind of how they were looking at things and you know at first before it was even a shutdown they were like okay we're going to do extra cleaning in your dressing rooms and we're going to do mm -hmm. all this and this and then as it started to become clear you know when sports started to shut down i think they they knew that like okay we're going to shut down soon um and were you were seeing audience numbers dwindle or were you not uh, did you not notice much, it or not really not, not as much as other shows noticed it we had i think just because of what our show is i think that it, i think we're a very accessible show and it's funny because our show actually is incredibly incredibly about the black community and 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 yet because motown is such a universal thing i think motown gets them in and then they're they are treated to the story of these five black men that right. is very specific to their experience and that that is that's kind of the wonderful wonderful trade-off right you know um but uh you know yeah we 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 had pretty you know at least three forceful um right up until the end and you know and that's that's kind of you know it, it like when when we noticed the spots i was like oh yeah this is this is becoming a thing and yeah. um and then you know and when 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 sports started shutting down that's kind of when um when everything really uh fell we were not fell apart but we were just like yeah it's, it's coming and i tried it's inevitable to, yeah i tried my best to just kind of prepare like especially the newer members you know the younger members of the cast i should say because i was a new right. member as well but just like right. hey you know start to start to look at this and start to you know get your get your stuff in order um but the you know again they were they were very real with us and they sent us emails and they checked in on us um, they, they kept our health insurance, our health insurance is taken care of through January. Like they, they, you know, they made sure of that, like really things that they didn't have to do. Um, they've donated, um, I think it's like a grand in each of our names to a, to a charity of our choice in terms of the, the black lives matter movement. And, wow. and yeah, I mean, and, 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 you know, and they got on a zoom call with us, uh, uh, you know, I'd say probably about a month ago when it was, you know, when the date came out for September and uh that broadway would be you know that that might be when broadway's trying to come back and they got on a zoom call with us and they were just very real they were like look here's the deal as soon as the shutdown is over that theater is ours and we'll be back right but it's you know we can't come back until it's safe to do so we are constantly looking for ways to make it safe but they were like you know we know that right now people are thinking september they're like if it was us do not bend in september like just don't um, and that, in that, you know, and later that came out, those like, yeah, it's probably going to be sometime in the new year. Yeah. Um, you know, but I've just, I've just really appreciated their candor and, and their care, um, you know, and their, their, their lines, it could, you know, again, I uh, brought producers are producers and I understand they have a job to do, but the people who can really stand in times like this and be like, Hey, there's only so much we can do, but we are here. That has been tremendous especially coming off of a show like Hamilton where it's like, God, I know that I've lived in the twilight zone for the past three and a half years. What is any other Broadway show going to be like? So to come into this family and be like, Oh my, it's okay. I, this is actually a very soft landing, <laughs> like coming yeah. out of Hamilton. Like it really is. Um, I was very thankful. Very thankful. Yeah. yeah. Well, to hear a story like that at this moment um, is very happy making. 
yeah. um, because we're hearing a lot of stories that don't reflect what you just described. Yeah. Um, so Nick Walker, I, uh, I, I've said this to others, but now I get to say to you, I'm so glad I live on a planet at the same time as you. I have found your, um, your words of wisdom, um, your focus on all of us using this as a time for self-reflection, um, thinking deeply about where and how can art be a part of this moment, mm -hmm. um, how to keep a dialogue going, how to be a good friend yeah. um, during this, what I hope is a true cultural revolution, um, because that's what has to happen right now. Yeah. You have been um, a voice of comfort and leadership um, with your integrity, your intellect, your humanity, and your candor. And I just, um, I just want to thank you uh, on behalf of this planet for being <laughs> that and for your talent, which is just so singular, and your, um, your generosity of spirit. So I just wish you continued like success on all levels. And I, I mean that in terms of the success of love and self-care and art and commerce and all the things um, you deserve all of it. And I just want to say that out loud for the many, many people who get to hear it because um, you're a really special human. So thank you. And thank well, that means the world's coming from you. And thank you for providing the space and for being so open and so generous with your time and um, and just you know and, and doing what you can to clearly make this world a better place. And, and it is so working, whatever it is that you were doing. So so thank you for for just being you. Yeah, man. Now you have shared a lot of information, but I'm just going to ask it anyway because <laughs> it could be like I like ringdings, or it can be oh, yeah. you know I believe artificial intelligence is the future um, is, and both those things might be true, by the way. Either way, um, either way. <laughs> do you have a little known fact you can share with absolutely. my listeners? Okay. I absolutely do. So my, in my room, and this is not, it's a little known fact, but it's probably not a surprising fact. Um, in my, in my, in our office, in the office that doubles as a fitness room, there's a shelf on that shelf. I have about 10 different Walt Disney World magic bands um, that are all my, my 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 room keys and like all the things that like I love like the little the little bracelets that you used to get into the park I've collected yes. them all and I have them and uh, and I will continue to collect them uh, I, I just love magic bands <laughs> I guess is the is the fact I love magic bands so yeah man. well in the Nick Walker Museum or the Smithsonian that someday will collect the things that. Uh, represent nick walker i ah. cannot wait to see the donation of one magic band that Absolutely. you agree to give away in order to be there um nick walker thank you for being on the show thank you for having me Little Known Facts is edited by Nicholas Klar and recorded in New York City.